Hello, I'm Andrew Suskind, and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in West Los Angeles since 1992, specializing in trauma and addictions. Welcome to our podcast, which I call It's Not About the Sex, also the title of my recent book. Here we focus on all topics related to compulsive sexual behavior, often referred to as sex addiction. In particular, we explore ways to build long-term sustainable recovery while establishing more meaningful connection and greater intimacy. Our intention is to offer fresh viewpoints, brand new perspectives, and practical user-friendly tools toward living a more deeply connected life. Let's get started. Dr. Carol Clark is a sex therapist, addictions professional, and author who conceptualizes our stimulating lifestyles as a perpetually addictive state that disconnects us from each other and the universal life force. Her books, Addict America, The Lost Connection, and My Pocket Therapist are guides written for everyone. I'm so pleased to have you with us today, Carol, and, and please um, introduce yourself briefly in, in terms of anything that I may have missed in the bio. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so happy to be here, Andrew. Um, yeah, I've been a therapist for 30 years, and wow. over those years, I've just conceptualized different ways of looking at people's problems, mm-hmm. and in the context of sex therapy, and then addictions therapy, and then sex addiction therapy, um, I just realized that, you know, we're all dealing with the same thing, and that's this loss of connection mm-hmm. and uh, lack of intimacy. And it really boils down to an addiction framework that makes it easy to understand for everybody. Beautiful. So the loss of connection and the lack of intimacy are really the lens that you use when, when you're talking about addiction. Yes. Addiction is a barrier to intimacy. Uh-huh. So yeah. people who are engaged in addictive lifestyles and in, in just reaching for more and more and more, needing more and more and more, it's all about stimulation. It doesn't matter the drug of choice. It's about mm. stimulation, not being present, being constantly seeking escape from pain mm-hmm. and for that next thing. And that keeps us disconnected from the here and now, from the people we're with, from our, ourselves and from the universe. Mm. So one thing that caught my attention in in preparation for today's conversation is that I, I heard that you believe that we're actually all addicts of different kinds. <laughs> and, and I was curious, not only what that means to you, but if you could illustrate that for us. So we're all addicts. We all can be in an addictive state. I like to say it that way. So Uh certainly there's a lot of people who can specifically identify as I'm a drug addict. I'm a internet addict. I'm a porn addict. I'm a shopping addict. But there's an addictive lifestyle that we all slip in and out of in today's world. And I think Mm -hmm. everybody out there listening to this can connect with that idea of, um, not being able to shut things off, like shut off their phones, stop checking their emails, their Facebook, their Instagram, stop mm-hmm. looking at the news. We're in a 24-hour news cycle where it's breaking news every mm-hmm. second. And even people that 
really try not to still find themselves getting sucked into that stimulation. Mm-hmm. And the addictive process uh, means that we're changing our brains to how much stimulation we actually need. Mm. So just when we hear about uh, someone who starts out drinking and then they develop tolerance, so they need Mm -hmm. more and more alcohol to get the same effect. Well, it's that Mm -hmm. way with anything. We need more and more stimulation to get the same effect, just to feel normal, let alone excited or stimulated or feel pleasure. Mm-hmm. So we're all in this state of simmering for <laughs> mm-hmm. all this simmering because we've raised the baseline of how much stimulation we need just to feel normal. And then mm-hmm. we have to reach for more and more and more to uh, feel a sense of excitement and pleasure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I love the title of your book, Addict America. And And I was wondering, is this specific to America or is this beyond our culture as well? Well, I certainly think it's gone beyond our culture, but it it really starts with America. America exemplifies it because mm-hmm. uh, Americans pride themselves <laughs> on that needing more and more and more. Just, mm. you know, today I was having lunch and talking about the amount of food on my plate in the restaurant, mm. which is just so ridiculous because mm-hmm. nobody can eat that much food. And right. when you travel to other countries, they laugh at us because they say, mm-hmm. how can you have so much food on your plate? You know, they have small quantities and that's fine. So America has this more and more stimulating from every direction so American lifestyles personify that. And in fact, we glory in it. We, we wear it like a badge of honor. And we haven't realized just how out of control our lives have gotten. But since uh, we kind of export a lot of our culture around the world, other countries, I think, have probably adapted and adopted a lot of that uh, way of looking at things, that, that mindset, that addictive lifestyle state mm-hmm. of being. Right. And and one thing that, that I heard you say is that sometimes it's so automatic that at restaurants, for example, we're just given way too much than, than, than is good for us. But somehow mm-hmm. there's this idea of more is better. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we know differently. I mean, research and science and other cultures who are healthier don't do that. So it doesn't matter whether we're talking about food or sex or money or or any kind of addictive substance, it's it's interesting what you're saying. More, more, more is, is really the mantra here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just become a way of life for us. Sure. And, uh, so that's why it's Addict America. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so if someone is in recovery from whatever addiction, uh, sometimes there's this idea or this myth that everything else will will simply fall into place as a result of giving up those behaviors. Yet, when we're talking about relationships, they can be very challenging, very complex. So so why are relationships in recovery so difficult? Well, so let's differentiate between abstinence and recovery. This is why I like to talk about addiction as an overall way of being. It's not about any particular drug or behavior of choice. Mm -hmm. You know, we learn that, oh, if I do this, my brain is going to get its fix. 
But really what's happening is if I stop doing this, I'm going to find that to do. I'll find something else. So it's not about what you're addicted to. It's not about cross addictions or multiple addictions. It's about being an addict Mm. versus being in recovery. And being in recovery is about being present, mindful, able to connect, able to be truly intimate with another person. Mm -hmm. And this is really difficult because the whole reason people become addicts to begin with are because of disruptions in connections in childhood. Mm -hmm. So children start out life being the center of the universe (laughs) and (laughs) take everything as uh you know, I'm the center of the universe. It's all about me. And Mm -hmm. I'm also to blame, you know, I'm to blame for everything. So parents Mm -hmm. get a divorce. Oh, it's my fault. Mm -hmm. So kids internalize these negative messages about themselves. I'm not good enough. I'm a Mm -hmm. bad person. I'm Mm -hmm. worthless. I'm unlovable. Mm -hmm. They internalize these in childhood from, you know, whether it's, severe abuse or simply a parent thinking they're being motivational mm-hmm. <laughs> and, <Yeah. laughs> and instead they're not right, and right. so as we grow we start seeing every all events all life events get filtered through that that lens of i'm not good enough i'm worthless i'm not lovable right and, same messages yes 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 yeah, sure Yes. And so then what happens is we discover that, oh, when I do this, when I take this drug or when I look at porn or when Uh I get online, it gives me this high that not only is a high, but it's also a relief of pain. And so then when I sober up or stop doing it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then it's not just I can continue my life, but then I experience that pain rushing in and I need to go back and do it do whatever the drug is to get that relief of pain again and then I need more and more and more because my brain is going to adapt so what we have is addicts go into recovery uh they need to um recover from that early childhood pain whatever the trauma was whether it's you know, big T traumas or little T traumas, as we call them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to turn that negative cognition, that negative belief about self around so mm-hmm. that when someone stops getting high from anything, they're not flooded with that pain. And then they can feel good about themselves and engage in a truly intimate relationship. So there's a lot of pieces to recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So that that's really important for our listeners to hear, because it's a much more uh, holistic kind of view rather than just talking about behaviors or giving up behaviors. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So why don't we shift to to sex and intimacy? And Mm -hmm. for instance, if, if a partner doesn't get turned on by by his or her partner, even though they love one another, what what can they do about that? So that that can come from a couple of different places. One place it can come from addiction. Okay, the idea that of controlling intimacy, and for someone who's been living an addictive lifestyle in a state of addiction, escape from pain, a fear of being rejected, and trying to control intimacy because we all have an innate desire to be connected. 
Mm-hmm. That's born in us. We are right. social creatures. We are all connected. Biologically we wired. We're wired for connection. That's so right. Look at it from quantum physics with the, the Higgs field, or you want to look at it religious or spiritually. Sure. We're all connected. Yeah. And so we have that uh, part of our brain, the prefrontal cortex, the enlightened brain, I call it, mm-hmm. wants to be connected. The limbic system, the primitive caveman brain, excuse the gender part of that, but, <laughs> uh, the, the, that primitive part of the brain where the, uh-huh. the limbic system where uh, survival is, is fearful of connection. Sure. So we have those boring parts. So what people often do is they engage in uh, pseudo-intimate relationships. Mm. They... Uh, if they're in love with a partner, then that's too out of control. It's it's too close. It's too intimate. Yeah. So they have to control it by pushing away sexually. Mm-hmm. And and then they can engage in pornography or multiple affair partners or that kind of thing with people that there's, again, a built-in uh, reason not to be completely intimate so it's pseudo intimacy it's controlled so when you have someone two people where there's i'm picking up on any kind of addictive energy mm-hmm. you know we'll talk about that that mm-hmm. you know you may be trying to control how close you get to your partner and you're doing it with sex because to, to be fully intimate uh you have to give up that that fear and heal all those childhood messages Sure. So uh, for a couple that I'm working with with that, I'll mm-hmm. do um, trauma work. I, mm-hmm. I personally use EMDR, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of other therapies that are non-talk. See, we want to mm-hmm. be in, working with the limbic system, not talking with the prefrontal cortex. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? So sure. um, when we do the EMDR therapy or another kind of therapy to turn around that those I'm not good enough. I'm unlovable messages Mm -hmm. so that I am lovable. I can believe, truly believe I'm lovable. Now I'm fully capable of intimacy with another person. Mm -hmm. And then, then my therapy with them becomes just breaking through bad habits and helping Mm -hmm. them to connect and helping them to be sexual as an expression of intimacy, not sex mean it being intimate. Like, okay, we're intimate because we're having sex. No, we feel intimate. And so sex is one way of expressing that. So that mm-hmm. that's one half of your, that's one answer to your question. But mm-hmm. another answer would simply be <laughs> completely different. <laughs> People mm-hmm. have expectations about sex and their partners. And uh, they have these expectations based on their families, their friends, the media, their mm-hmm. culture, you know, all the shoulds. Right. And, uh, in my book, My Pocket Therapist, I talk about why should is a bad word. It's the worst word <laughs> yes. in the human language. Yes. <laughs> and because uh, should is this, you know, how things should be. Well, who says? So right. when we shift it to want or would like, well, this is how I would like it to be and let go all those expectations and mm. also and those expectations for people who are uh, partnered for a long period of time. And, and somebody says, oh, I'm no longer attracted to my partner. Well, what does that really mean? Mm-hmm. It usually means that, you know, my partner, I don't look at my partner and instantly get turned on the way I did when we first met. 
-hmm. Well, that's not a realistic expectation. Okay. Sure. So, um, you know, more realistic is that, uh, you know, what do we want from each other? How are we expressing intimacy? What is the, the meaning of sex in our relationship? How can we be sexual in ways that are different from, you know, what we did 10 years ago or 20 mm -hmm. years ago mm -hmm. when we were, you know, young and flexible. <laughs> you know, right. could just look at each other and get turned on. So uh -huh. that needs to change. So a lot of what the therapy I do there is about just looking at what are your expectations and how can we um, really increase the intimacy and, and be intimate in other ways, not just sexually, so that Mm -hmm. Then when people are sexual, they can just enjoy each other in a variety of ways. That's very thorough. And, and <laughs> I, love the, I love the part, Carol, about wanting to get rid of the, the word should. And you may have heard this before, but, but I don't want my clients shooting all over themselves. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it's just, it becomes such a, um, oftentimes a, a self-loathing, shameful kind of cycle. And what I'm hearing you say is, how do you sort things out in such a way that you can really um, put language and 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 um, ways of, of of accessing what really is pleasurable ultimately, whether that be um, a single person or a partnered person for that matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, words are very powerful. Words are incredibly powerful, and and there's a lot of words that we use automatically sure. uh, without really considering it. And so a lot of what I do is help bring people's attention to that and how yeah. we use words and the words we use. For instance, it, when it comes to sex, the word performance, people talk right. about our sexual performance. Well, mm -hmm. it, sex is not a performance. Right, <laughs> right, right. You're not going to get a report card at the end of the act. Right. Nobody's applauding you or putting money in your G-string, you know. Exactly. It's, so unless that's, you know, what you're doing with your partner. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, no, we want, so just the word performance. Yeah. When you think about if I'm performing, oh, I'm not performing, you know, up to whatever. Well, that means that my partner is judging me. Yeah. It means, or I'm fearful of my partner's judgment. It means that then that we're not equals. Now, if right. we're not equals, that means we're not connecting. Yeah. You know, if you picture, usually if, if we weren't on the phone right now, I'd be holding one hand over the other and kind of moving them towards each other, but they'd not be connecting because one is higher than the other and <laughs> it's not connecting. Right. So we have to be equal. So if I move my hands to where their fingertips are on a level <laughs> for equal, yeah. and yeah. then we can interlock, we can be connected. Sure. Uh, sure. So we want to look at that language that puts that inequality in the relationship there, because we can never be connected if we're unequal. Right. Right. So there's a term that you use um, that, that goes like this. Intimacy by the numbers. Can you <laughs> can you help me understand what what that is? That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was a little article I wrote. And if you go to addictamerica.net, uh -huh. that uh, Intimacy by the Numbers uh, handout is on there and everyone can access it for free and pass it around, share it. So Intimacy by the Numbers goes to this idea that we all have this fear of intimacy 
because going back to childhood, we've incorporated this belief that we're not lovable, worthless, we're worthless, we're not important, not good enough. Mm-hmm. So this means that we're not fully capable of complete intimacy and connection. Mm-hmm. Now, if we give a number to ourselves mm-hmm. uh, that denotes how much intimacy we're capable of, then uh, what happens is we're putting out an energy, a vibration into the universe that's going to attract someone that has the same number. Because if we're attracting someone that has more, is more capable of intimacy than we are, mm-hmm. then that person's going to be trying to get closer to us and we're going to be pulling away. So mm-hmm. we're just not going to, we're not going to get into a relationship and vice versa. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. So we have to, we attract someone that has that same vibrational number. And now we're, we're on this parallel track. We're both comfortable. Our limbic systems are comfortable together. It's like, I'm here, you're there. Okay, this is comfortable. This is where mm-hmm. I like to be. The thing is, our prefrontal cortex, our enlightened brain is saying, no, I want to be more connected. I want to really feel as close to you as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. And so now we have, now we're back to that argument. So we, the two parts of our brains mm-hmm. pushing and pulling against each other. Mm-hmm. But when people say, well, I can't ever find a partner. I find people who are not available. You know, they're mm-hmm. married They They mm-hmm. live across the country. They're, you know, there's for some reason they're not available. Mm-hmm. It's because you have the same number because you're not able to be fully connected. And here's something fun. I used to notice, and I did this as a therapist before I figured it out. Um, somebody would come to me and say, oh, I'm trying to find somebody. I want to I want to be able to date and just find somebody and settle down. And I buy into that. Like, okay, well, let's look at how you can do that. Where can you meet people? And how can this happen? And what do you want? Yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. We're trying <laughs> to solve a problem. Mm. And then I came to realize, no, the problem is, you have this number, you know, you're a five. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. until you heal and become able to be completely have no barrier. So you become a zero or a 10, Uh whichever Uh way you want to go with the number, but you become capable of complete intimacy. Okay. You're not going to find anybody. Yeah. But when you do, when you do your own work, when you Mm -hmm. really heal, when you just approach life from this completely open, able to connect place, mm-hmm. that's who you're going to attract. You don't have to do any work. Mm. It's beautiful. You don't have to do anything. It's wow. going to be right there. It's going to come to you. Huh. Like your magnet has gotten stronger. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Beautiful. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. I'll have to check out the article. So um, I want to switch gears again because, you know, mm-hmm. as a sex therapist, oftentimes it, who happens to understand addiction so thoroughly, um, you run into situations that are a little different from the average client who walks in. So one example, and I've run into this many times, especially with folks who are uh, compulsively using porn, 
where they have no problem getting an erection. I'm talking about men, obviously. Uh, no problem getting an erection when, when they're active in their addictive compulsive cycle. Mm-hmm. But, but why would they have difficulties now that they're no longer active in that addictive compulsive cycle? So when they are in that addictive compulsive cycle, they are practicing that disconnecting, you know, from the partner. So they're controlling the intimacy. They can be fully open and connected, you know, within those restrictions of being with porn because Mm -hmm, that's not, mm -hmm. you know, those aren't real people. But then with an intimate partner, with an emotionally connected partner, Mm -hmm. they have to control that connection, that intimacy and do so then with sex. So when they go into recovery now, it's very scary. They've mm-hmm. got bad habits to break. Mm-hmm. So really, it, it, I think it comes down to that. They have to break their bad habits. They, they, they're accustomed to getting too close to someone. And mm-hmm. we just need to push through that discomfort. So once we've healed everything in the limbic system, then it's just bringing our uh, enlightened brain to the forefront, making decisions and recognizing that the brain, the limbic system doesn't like change. It's been chugging mm-hmm. along for five million mm-hmm. years. Okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't like to change. So whatever yeah. it's been doing, change is going to feel uncomfortable, like any sure. bad habit. Any, you know, if you're used to sleeping on your side and your doctor says you got to start sleeping on your back, it's going to be uncomfortable. Sure. And then you say, well, but I understand why I'm doing this, and so I'm going to do it. And then after a week or two, it's comfortable. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like anything else. So that's what we have to do. So we make the decision. This is what I want. This is where I want to be with my partner. And then the partner needs to be on board, too, because remember, the mm-hmm. partner, that there's that equal fear of intimacy. So mm-hmm. the partner has their own whatever their fear of intimacy is. They're going to have to push through that as well. Mm-hmm. So then the, both people can um, connect in a way that's been it's very different and it's been Mm -hmm. uncomfortable but they're going to push through and do it until they get comfortable with it because they're making a conscious decision that this is what i this is what we want Mm. yeah so so a follow-up question um i have been coming into to contact with clients mostly um older teenagers and young adults who talk about and and this is really what they feel that their brain has been hijacked by their by the porn Mm -hmm. that they've been using it for five ten years and those have been the images that have been part of their brain circuitry uh for all that time Mm -hmm. so to shift from that those images to real life sex is oftentimes feels um bland or scary or foreign to their 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 bodies and to to what they're really wanting to achieve which is to feel closer to their partner so i'm I'm wondering if you could say just a little bit about that piece in terms of making that shift from the um the porn images to real life sex Sure. It, you know, there's there's the habitual part. You know, this is what you've conditioned yourself to. So and we we all, you know, have some images or fantasies or whatever in our heads that help us, you know, if you're chugging along having intercourse and it's like, OK, you want to have an orgasm and then you, you just go to your go to and mm-hmm. boom, it can happen. So we right. have that kind of conditioning in our brains. Right. But then we have the 
you know, expectations. So it gets mm -hmm. back to what expectations are realistic. And porn is not realistic. It's, you know, it's all fake airbrushed, um, <laughs> you know, manufactured. Right. And so you've conditioned yourself to that. You have this expectation that, you know, real people are going to be like that. No, you're going to mm -hmm. lose that expectation. It's not mm -hmm. real. You know, so you got to get rid of that. Then you have the, um, you know, just getting high part of it. There's, right. there's a trade, there is a trade off. Look, mm -hmm. you can uh, be with, when, when you first meet somebody, you get all those feel good drugs going on in your brain, you know, endorphins and adrenaline and encephalins mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. know norepinephrine i mean the brain is packed full of these chemicals that go wild right. to make us feel good they get us high when we first are attracted to somebody and it doesn't sustain but there's there's a trade-off because we get emotional uh fulfillment we get love we get commitment we have someone a partner to share our lives with and that's the trade-off Mm -hmm. You know, and so a lot of people, they have this idea that they need to keep getting that high. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just usually not realistic, you know, mm -hmm. so we can try different things to keep the excitement alive. And that works to a point, but it's never going to be like it was in the beginning. And right. um, and so it's a lot of it's just accepting, you know, that mm -hmm. as we grow older, as we mature, <laughs> there's certain trade offs in life. Right. And, uh, you know, and some people who become sex addicts who keep going after new partners or love addicts, you know, it's another, uh, you know, chasing relationships right. because they're chasing that first high, but they're missing mm -hmm. out on that long term fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which really reminds me that almost everything we're talking about today has to do with the fantasy versus the reality and and addiction is in general is about fantasy it's about getting out of reality mm -hmm. and and really what i hear you focusing on and, and really lasering for us today is this idea of how do we move from lack of intimacy to intimacy how do we move from lack of connection to connection and and how recovery is is really a um, in a sense, it's a lifestyle shift away mm -hmm. from checking out and, and toward checking in. Does that sound accurate or would you like to, to add to that? Yeah, so addiction is a turning inwards. It's about reaching for something external to fix something internal. So it's uh -huh. never going to be enough. You're always going to keep reaching, 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 grabbing, grabbing, grabbing. And you're, you're, all your energy is turned inwards. Recovery is about feeling good enough. I'm enough for me. I'm complete within myself. And now I can turn my energy outwards. Mm -hmm. And being with another person is enhancing my life, mm -hmm. not filling a need. Yes. And anything that I do, whether it's eating or you know, any pleasurable activities in my work are all about paying it forward, giving, you know, putting my energy out into the world to make it a better place. Mm. I don't need to suck up energy right. because I'm enough. So uh, that's what recovery is, being present. I can be uh -huh. here talking with you and all my attention is on you. Uh -huh. Great. <laughs> and, 
you know, thinking about the audience. I'm not distracted thinking about what I'm going to do 10 minutes from now, or I can't wait right. till I can, you know, it's, so there is that, yes, a lifestyle shift. It's a shift of energy to uh, be in the present and mm-hmm. grounded and turning our energy outwards. And that's what recovery is. And that's how mm-hmm. we can connect with another person is by truly being aware of the other person as another person. Right, right. So our, our time has, has gone so quickly today, but I want to ask you a, a little um, wrap-up question, Carol. Mm-hmm. So, so if there was one or two bullet points that you would really like our audience to take with them from today's discussion, what, what would you like that to be? So I would like uh, people to be aware of when they are in an addictive state and when they're in a recovering state so that then they can choose. They can recognize the difference and then they can choose to be in a recovering state and then do more of that. Mm -hmm. So that means, you know, when you're you know, sitting in traffic and getting really angry and really frustrated about all the things you can't control and to move to, you know what, I'm here. I can control myself. I can just be here and choose how I want to be in this moment. And that's recovery. And it's basically summed up best in the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, which is pretty much everything around. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The courage to accept to change the things I can, and that's me, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and the wisdom know the difference, and, uh-huh. and that's really the the takeaway is, you know, that it's so beautiful, it sums it up, uh, to just be aware of, we can all be in recovery, we can all choose to be in recovery, and it's a great place to be. And with that note, what I wanted to share once again with our audience is that Dr. Carol Clark has written two books. One is called Addict America, The Lost Connection, and the other is called My Pocket Therapist. And we will have those listed on the website or on the podcast site, I should say. And I just so appreciate you joining us today, Carol. Thank you for being with us. Well, thank you, Andrew. I'm so pleased that you asked me to to participate. And I love talking about this stuff because anything I can do to pay it forward, put energy out there, that's what I love to do. And you've done it. I really, really appreciate it. All right, Carol, take good care. We look forward to crossing paths one way or the other. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. It was so terrific sharing this time with my colleague, Dr. Carol Clark, and discussing this really vital topic that affects those affected by compulsive sexual behavior. She can be reached through her website at www.drcarolclark.com, and I'll spell that out, D-R-C-A-R-O-L-C-L-A-R-K.com. And be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes or please share our podcast on Spotify. And if there are any topics you would like us to discuss in the future, just let us know. But I look forward to you joining us on future podcasts. And thanks again for being with us today.